You know, we've been talking about literally keys to developing sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. This series, and you know, it's, it's like any series. When you teach in a Bible school, it's like <laughs> some of these subjects, you're used to having 40 hours. And, uh, but you know, this is only gonna be, we've only had about nine sessions. So only about nine hours of teaching. So, but we've really hit some really good things. And you wanna just, you wanna get very sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. You wanna know him intimately in, a, in the same way that he knows you. And you know, we saw that, how do we do that? We yield to him. We live our whole life yielded to him. Whatever he leads us to do, our answer is yes, sir, right? Because we know him. He only brings increase, he only brings life. And then we live our life open to him. We're open to whatever he says. We don't look at it and go, oh my gosh, I could never do that. No, no, if he said it, it empowers you to be able to do it, right? So yielded, open, these are really attitudes of your heart, if you'll notice that. Living with a clear conscience, living your life where you don't let, you don't carry anything and you don't let anything bother you. If there's some cares or some things that come up in your life, you roll it over on the Lord, right? So again, that's talking about your heart. You, you don't let anything clutter. You want to keep your conscience clear, which means so that your heart can be receptive, right? You don't want to clutter your mind with a bunch of stuff. So we, we talked about that, and then we spent a few weeks just talking about something we talk about a lot around here, renewing your mind with the word. In other words, what does that do? To renew your mind with the word, that starts by depositing the word of God in your heart, right? So those four things, well, what is that going to produce in your life? That's going to position you to walk in Romans 8, verse 14. Whoever is born of God is led by the Spirit of God, right? Well, how does he lead us? Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with my spirit that I'm his child. So in other words, the Holy Spirit leads me by my spirit. The spirit of man, Proverbs 20, 27 says, is the candle of the Lord. So God's word goes off and illuminates my spirit as the Holy Spirit brings revelation. As he opens the word of God in my heart, as a result of me meditating in it day and night, what happens now is light comes out of the word of God, right? And it's a light, lamp to my feet, it's a light to my path. That's how God leads me. He, he, my spirit, literally, he uses my spirit to lead me, so he communicates to my spirit. So as a child of God, I am never to be led by natural outside circumstances. I'm never to be moved by them. Right? So if you keep going down that road, in Proverbs chapter 4, I think it's verse 23. You know, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22 is the prescription on how to take the word of God. 
right? But look at verse 23. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of your life. If you look at this Hebrew word issues, it literally means boundaries. Have you ever had circumstances that you felt like the walls were caving in in your life and, and just getting small? This is what the enemy wants to do. But we're, this is, we're talking, we, we, we live yielded, we live open, we keep a clear conscience, we constantly renew our mind. Why? That's how we keep our heart with all diligence, for out of our heart flows the issues or the boundaries of our life. See, if, if, you're, if you're living like this, right? So let's say my answer's here, and I'm living like this, I can't see my answer. But if you guard your heart, and you, what happens is the word will expand your boundaries to where all of a sudden now you can see it as it really is. See, God makes a way where there is no way, right? He opens doors, the Bible says, that no man can ever shut. He shuts doors that no man can ever open. He makes crooked places straight right? His peace guides, it guards our heart, guards our minds, so we, we guard our heart with all diligence. So then, what are we talking about? What will this produce in our life as we're, as we're yielded, as we're open, right? As we live our life with a clear conscience, we're renewing our mind. Now we're, we're guarding our heart with all diligence. See, this is how a Christian See, we live in an interesting environment in the church today. That's not to be the extraordinary. That is to be the norm. That's, that's the doorway. So don't be concerned if you haven't been there. Right? I remember when, oh man. So, so I grew up in, as a little kid in the city of Chicago. And so we moved out of Chicago... So I grew up in these little towns, a town of 500 people. Went from in the city of Chicago to 500 people. Didn't even know a cow in the field when I saw one. Because you don't go to the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago and see cows when you're a kid. Right? You see rhinoceroses, and right? So, so then we moved from there to another little town of about 6,500 people. Right? So then... Between my freshman and sophomore year, we moved to Decatur, Illinois, which was a, it was a city of about 100,000 people, maybe a little more. And man, all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I'm used to playing basketball with a bunch of white guys from a little town, right? So I remember, I remember talking to somebody. I, I met this guy, Tommy Slaughter. He was, he was, a, he was a junior in the high school I was going to go to. And, and he's like, he goes, man, he goes, I've got to take you to this park, Monroe Park. Out of 250 public parks in Decatur, it's the best basketball park, right? He took me there, and I remember I went home that night, and I, I told my mom, I'm like, mom, I, I'm in trouble. Because I was like the athlete in the small towns and all of a sudden, I'm playing basketball with guys that are stronger, faster, can jump higher. 
And although I had this incredibly beautiful left-handed jump shot, it does you no good when the guy is four foot off the ground slamming it back in your face, right? And I'm like, I've got to learn how to jump and all this other stuff. I mean, it was like I entered a whole new realm. I'm so thankful for a guy who used to play for the Utah, or actually I'll date myself, the New Orleans Jazz. And he, was, he, he kind of took me under his wing and he taught me some stuff and, and we, would, we would go to... Monroe Park from 5 o'clock at night till 10 o'clock. Then the lights would go off there. Then we'd go deep into the not the safest neighborhoods in the world, Garfield Park. And we'd be from there from about 10 o'clock at night to about 2, 2.30 in the morning. My parents were out to lunch. I think now as a parent, I'm like, I mean, people were getting shot. I remember being laughed, shamed by 150 guys standing around a basketball court. When, when gunshots went off in the park and I hit the ground. I'm on my face. And they're like, white boy, get up. Nobody ever shoots over here. I'm like, nobody ever shoots over here. Yeah, I'm 15 years old, right? Or I just, I guess by that time I was 16. Why am I saying that? All of a sudden, I saw a whole new level. A whole new level. This is what the Holy Spirit has to show us as Christians. Because what we're talking about, it, it seems like, wow, this is a whole new level. No, no, this is who we are. We, we live our life yielded. Jesus is my Lord. I'm yielded. I'm open. Now, I jump over in the flesh, but I jump right back because I'm full of the word. And the Holy Spirit helps me. My whole life is adjust and repair. And he takes me under his wing and he helps me develop. Helps me develop. He encourages me. He strengthens me. Why? So that I could guard my heart so that the boundaries of my life... See, your boundaries... Want, this is where God wants your boundaries. All things are possible to him who believes. Amen. I'm, not, I'm not trying to get God to do something. I know it's all done. So I know I already have the victory. Satan, you can't fool me anymore. Listen, I'm not moved by a symptom in my body. I'm not moved by what a doctor says. I'm not moved by what my bank account says. I'm not moved by anything except him. And that's where we got to get. Well, to do that, you have to be strong. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight. The byproduct of all these things is so that you can walk in, in the strength and the victory of God. You'll never walk in the victory of God without walking in the strength of God. You are never to be strong in yourself. See, this is where, when you learn this stuff, sometimes you'll start jumping out there and, you'll, and, and maybe a couple things will work out and you start to go, wow, this is really good. And then you fall flat on your face and you're like, what happened? Well, you tried to be strong in yourself. That, that, that thing in your personality that, that kept upsetting you or this, this area of unforgiveness that you finally got over, you kind of patted yourself on the back and went, wow, I'm doing pretty good. And then all of a sudden, boom. Next thing you know, Satan is messing with you and you're like, okay, what, what's going on? No, no, you, you, you stepped away, you unhooked from the vine and you were trying to be strong in yourself. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, my brethren, in this letter that was literally, it was written to the church 
everywhere for all time. It was written to us right now. And at the end of this book, sixth chapter, he goes through all these powerful doctrines. Paul says this, he says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord. In the Greek language, be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. Right? It's, it's literally telling us, when, when God says, see, what did Jesus say? Be healed. So Jesus is saying to you tonight, be strong in me. And in the power, in my power, in other words. We are to walk in the strength of God. If you're to break all these things down, the spirit-led life is God wants you to live out of your spirit all the time. To where now you see things as they really are. Now, when you hear you're to do the works of Jesus, you don't go, wow, how am I ever going to do that? You're just like, wow. Okay, because I'm in Christ. I don't have to do any of this by myself. Why is this so important? Because as, as you are all sitting there, as I'm standing here, the plan and the purpose that God has for your life, it was, it was literally designed for you to do the works that Jesus did and even greater works. The call on your life is just like Jesus' life. As the Father has called me, now I'm calling you. See, this is, so, so just realize your prayer life, your study time, you know, your ministry, your friendships, your relationships, your careers, your work, everything that you do is to be on the God level in his strength and in his ability. And this is why this life that we're talking about, it's a rest. You're not trying to impress anybody. You're not trying to impress God because you already know how much he loves you, right? So I want to talk to you tonight about that, about how to walk in strength and victory. This is so important. So this is why we've learned all these other things. Turn to Hosea chapter 4 in verse 6. You guys ready? I can tell you this, man, there's such a flow. I, I, love, I love the way God is stretching me. I cannot even begin to tell you how far over my head I am. And I love every minute of it. And that's a, that's a big statement because I remember telling the Lord, come on, can you just give me a break? I'm so tired of this walking by faith stuff. Can you just let something work out? You hear these wonderful words on the inside of you. Well, Tony, if you were in faith, because the reason why it was, it was, it was wearing me out because was, I was trying to do it in my strength. You can't do this stuff in your strength, right? Amen. Hosea 4, 6, have you found it? Look at what it says here. It says, my people are destroyed for a lack, for lack of knowledge. Wow. Eight words. My people are destroyed 
for a lack of knowledge. And it goes on and it talks about because they've rejected knowledge and all that. We won't get into all that because of, for time. But let's look at this. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed. It's the Hebrew word dama, D-A-M-A-H. It means to be silenced, to be cut off so that you lose the ability to take advantage of your covenant. In order for Satan to separate you from this wonderful covenant that is already yours. And, and, I, and I say separate, it's still yours, but you would be unable to operate in it and take advantage of the blessings. He has to silence you. See, when it says in John 10, 10, the thief comes but for to steal, right? So sitting in a room with some beautiful light and some wonderful worship music, sitting there like this and just, oh man, I'm just contemplating God. You know, you kind of feel good, but that's not going to get you over. What's going to get you over as you're listening to worship music is when you start worshiping. And you jump up and you get excited and you're like, wow, Father, I declare that you've given me the victory. See, everything in the word of God, it's voice activated. So the Bible says we're destroyed, we're silenced, we're cut off because we cannot take advantage of the covenant. Where does, how does that happen? For a lack of knowledge. Interesting. A lack of, this is the Hebrew word, darat, D-A-R-A-T. A lack of knowledge. This word knowledge, it's a Hebrew word that means discernment. A lack of discernment. In other words, if you study this word out, it's used in uh, Isaiah 11.2. It literally means Discernment, this is knowledge that is revealed by the Spirit of God. So when I, when I read this scripture in the light of New Testament truth, I'm like, wow, if I'm not walking in revelation knowledge of the Word of God, it's going to silence me. Or in other words, oh my goodness, if I'm silent, it doesn't mean I'm a bad Christian it means that I'm not walking in revelation knowledge of the word. So watch your words. If, if you ever stop talking about what God says, what, what happened is you're no longer living out of your spirit. You, you've, you've taken your eyes and now you're looking at natural things. And if you keep looking at the natural situation, You'll start looking to it. It'll become your source and it will silence you and cut you off from taking advantage of what God's given you. So we have to know this scripture. It's so important. So now let's jump to Hebrews, or Hebrews, Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 14. We're going to go through verse 14 through verse 19. 
Ephesians verse, chapter 3, verse 14 through verse 19, all, it's, it's literally would be the equivalent to one sentence, okay, in, in English. It's a run-on sentence. Paul was the master at run-on sentences. So let's look at this. This is a prayer of supplication. The prayer of supplication, what that is, that's a prayer for a believer to lay hold of the plan of God for their life. You could pray that for others. Paul always prayed prayers of supplication for believers that were walking in love towards one another and were walking by faith. The reason why is Paul knows when you walk in love and walk by faith, the enemy's, the enemy's gonna be coming at you because he wants, he wants to silence you. So you, you pray these prayers, right? So let's look at this prayer. Actually, before we start reading, this is a prayer. This literally is a prayer to God for their strength and fullness. This is like a sermon. This one sentence is like a sermon on how to walk in the fullness of God. I love this. So let's read it. Verse 14. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this heart attitude of humility, reverence, honor, respect, adoration, praise, and worship. Can you just... When I read that statement, that's what I see. It's like I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is dripping with my heart attitude. I'm guarding my heart. What is a healthy heart attitude? It's one of humility. It's one of reverence for God. Honor, respect, adoration, praise, and worship. Right? I love that. Verse 15, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Do you know this is the only time in Scripture, the only time in Scripture where the word family is used to describe the saints? That's how intimate. That's how come I love the name of our church. Family, faith, family, church. This is the only time in scripture, right in the middle of this powerful epistle, right after a heart attitude of adoration and respect, humility, reverence, honor, worship, praise, right in the middle of that, we, we are called a family, right? That's why families, that's why we need to be together. We are a gathering faith. We have to be together. I want to encourage you, be together with believers as much as you possibly can, all the time. Be in church every, every chance you get. There's nothing that could take the place of a corporate anointing, right? I'm telling you, the times that we're going into, we know we're an end time church. It's not going to get in the natural easier, okay? 
We don't know what we're going to face, but we're never going to face any of it alone. We're never going to face any of it that's bigger, that's who's on the inside of us. There, we're never going to face anything that could move us from what the word says. So don't fear the future. Embrace it. It's going to be the greatest time. It's going to be a great ride. You know, the best roller coasters, whew, sometimes you're like, wow, right? But see, we already know the end result. It's harvest, 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 increase, harvest, increase, doing things in the strength of God, signs, wonders, miracles, and then all of a sudden, Jesus. That's literally your future. It's my future. I love that. Verse 16, look at what he says. Now he gets into the prayer that he would grant you according to the riches, the inexhaustible supply of his glory to be strengthened with might. That's the Greek word dunamis. That is literally a Holy Spirit power word. It's miraculous stored ability and power that is to be released into your life. That he, God, would grant you according to the inexhaustible, inexhaustible riches of his glory to be strengthened with might. How? By his spirit. How strong are you? To define that, you have to ask the question, how strong is God? And you can't answer that question because he's the great I am. I guess you could define it, he's stronger than anything that you will ever need. Right? It's amazing that you be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. In your spirit man. See, inner strength produces outward strength. Okay? This prayer, again, it's like a sermon on how to walk in the very fullness of God. In other words, how to walk like Jesus walked. The first thing mentioned is the Lord strengthening us through the power of, his, of the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing that he mentioned, right? Many believers, many believers, they fall short in their walk with the Lord. This is why. Because they're just trying to live for God instead of allowing God to live through them. That's, that's why. That's why we fall short. Instead of, we're just so focused on, man, we just got to live for God. No, 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 no. We got to focus on letting God live through us. How do we do that? By being open. By yielding. By walking with a clear conscience. By renewing our mind. That's how we do it, right? We're led by the Spirit of God. The key to victory as a believer is learning how to completely depend on the Holy Spirit for strength. In everything in my life, in everything in your life, boy, there's an anointing tonight to say this. We have to learn how to be completely dependent 
on his strength, not ours. Right? I love that. All power for the believer originates with the Holy Spirit. Amen? The reason why the church is weak in many respects is because they're allowing the Holy Spirit to be in a back closet somewhere and not to get too loud. The places in the world that are blowing up and exploding with revival, signs, wonders, and miracles, the Holy Spirit is right in the middle of it. Because he's the source of power, right? But many times, see, many times you don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have, right? That great, that great statement by Mother Teresa. I love that. 1 John 4.4 4 says this. 1 John 4.4, 4, you are of God, little children. This is talking to who you are tonight. You are of God, little children, and have already overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than anything that you'll ever face, than anything that is in this world. Greater. The greater one lives in me. I walk around all day. How do I, how do, I do this? How do I walk in this key to victory? By utterly depending upon his strength. I walk around all day. Father, I thank you that I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Father, I am strong in you and the power of your might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, I thank you that the greater one is on the inside of me. And you're with me and I'll fear no evil. We have people that are scared to go out and come to church, but they're not afraid to go to Costco. That's not, see, that's the spirit of fear. They're not afraid to get, you know, they're not afraid to get on a, an airplane and go, go places, but don't come to church. Who would think of such a thing? Right? So, so we got to be real careful. Now, are we judging anybody who doesn't come to church? No. Are you going to? I'm not going to judge anybody who doesn't come to church. Why? Because I don't want to be put in the judgment seat. Right? No, 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 no. And if you're watching online, man, if you're mad at me, whatever. But listen, just ask yourself what you know. We have people in our church that they just feel a piece about not coming. And they're godly people. And man, they're growing. There's things happening in their life. And there's other people that they're just like, I don't need church anymore. And you know what's bad about that? Is it's not true. You're, you're not made to live apart. And that's why we have to, boy, I'll tell you, pastors are afraid to say that. Oh, man, I could ruin my worldwide ministry that's all online. No, 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 you can't ruin anything because Jesus is the one who brings increase. And it's time for us as Christians to speak the truth in love and to teach the word of God. Because, guys, we are the ones on, in this, on this planet with authority. 
I don't want to stand before Jesus one day and him go and him look at me and go, Tony, I set you right in the very middle of the United States. I gave you freedom. I, I, I brought all this revelation knowledge to your heart and you were afraid to do it. You were afraid of what people would think and now look, you were, I was unable to do through your life what I needed to do. No, 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 no. We need to be the body of Christ. We need to be led by the Spirit of God and rise up and be who we are. Right? So if, if you are in fear, what do you do? Fear is external. It's not internal. You tell the spirit of fear to leave. But how do you do that? You have to submit yourself to God. Then you resist the devil. How do you submit yourself to God? You yield to the Holy Spirit. You're open to him. You walk with a clear conscience. Part of that is no unforgiveness. No, I'm not judging anybody. No unforgiveness, right? When I'm saying what I'm saying, I'm never thinking of anybody. I can't and walk in the anointing. For me as a pastor, it's the same for you. I'm only called to minister to those who have ears to hear. You are only called to minister to those who have ears to hear. So that's why you pray. You love everybody. You pray for open doors of utterance. And you're full of mercy for those people like you or those people like me that mess up a lot. Right? That, man, you know, it took me 20, 30, 40 years to get some of this stuff. Heard it over and over. I was thrown in the middle of incredible revelation knowledge at, at just right when I turned 18 years old. Man, I, I should be way further down the road than I am, but I wasted a lot of years. But guess what? He's redeemed the time. He just redeems the time. Well, are you saying you're all caught up? Yeah. The moment I made a decision, I'm all caught up. Not, okay, Tony, you know, you wasted 20 years, man. Now you really got to get going. You got to work yourself. No, 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 no. No, just same thing. Just be led. Work out what he's working in. It's all good, right? It's all good. This is huge. That was not even in my notes, but that was good. So that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. See, you do this so that Christ is able to dwell in your hearts by faith. That you, now look at what, look at what, how this, look at how this all works. That you being rooted, that means in the, in the Greek language, that means that you being securely settled and grounded. This means deeply founded in love. Let's talk about this verse, and then we'll just keep putting it all together. That you be rooted 
and grounded in love. In other words, God, see, when you got born again, Romans what? 5, 5 says that the love of God was shed abroad in your heart. Your spirit is saturated with the love of God. So, it said, so God, why, why did he do that? See, God desires the soil of your heart to have his character of love. Just, just saturated with it. It's divine God fertilizer for your heart. Right? Why? So that everything that you say and everything that you do reflects him. Amen. See, sometimes, sometimes you'll say something that, that seems, like when I'm preaching, like even just what happened to me, whenever all of a sudden the Lord starts stirring me to say something, uh, on the inside of me, I'm like, okay. Lord, I'm, I mean, fear and trembling instantly. Just, and by fear, I don't mean afraid. I mean, reverence, honor, and respect for him. Because I don't want to say anything out of my flesh because that won't help anybody. But see, today we live in a society where people are heaping up teachers that will itch their ears. Make me feel good, pastor, or I will leave and never come back. Right? We can't live there. Right? I mean, you, you, you can't just live... On, on the food that you love, sometimes you got to eat, a, a, it pains me to say this, sometimes you just got to eat a Brussels sprout, right? Just for the nutritional value. But see, when God makes it, 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 when, it when it's saturated in love, it's palatable to people, right? So God wants the soil of your heart to be filled with his character of love so that everything you say, everything you do, it, it reflects who he is. So what is this verse talking about? Paul is speaking of an intimate understanding. An experiential knowledge. I know it because I'm walking it out. Of the depths of God's love. I'm talking about God's love tonight because I know it. I'm ex I understand his love because I'm experiencing it, I understand it because I'm walking in it. That's what Paul is saying here. So what happens now, just as the tree's roots provide stability and provide nourishment for the tree, so also our revelation of God's love is the foundation upon which everything else in God is built upon. The, what am I saying? Everything in your life, everything will flow out of God loves you. Not, Joshua, you better love God. No, Joshua can't even love God unless he has a revelation that God loves him. None of us can. The Bible's clear on that. We love him because he first loved us. Right? It's amazing. So let's go. Verse 18, that 
or let me read verse 17 again, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. This word comprehend in the Greek means to lay hold of and take it like your own, that you may be able to lay hold of. I'm laying hold of this. Here, I'll use my Bible. It's better than a bottle of water. That I might be able to lay hold of, make it my own, with all the saints. Ooh. Notice you don't do this alone. You do this with all the saints. So you're going to have to, and I'm going to have to get over myself to be around all the saints. Right? Do you know, Keith Moore has never, ever, ever since I graduated from Rama, he has never, or actually left Tulsa, I, I've never been offended by anything that he's ever said. But I had some opportunities too while I was at Rama. Because man, when you're in submission to authority class or Christ the healer class with him, whoo, he, you know, he, he, you know, you're right there and he's looking at you right in your eye, right? Just, just, you know, but, but man, I'll get on my elliptical. I'll watch him on, you know, YouTube. I'll listen to him in my car. And man, I'll, I could tell as a pastor, oh man, he's kind of, he's kind of getting on some people there. Doesn't bother me at all because I'm not there. Right? This is, this is why we comprehend all these wonderful things with all of the saints. Look around. This is your family. Right? This is your family. With all the saints. I love that. Hallelujah. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, lay hold of, and make it your own with all the saints. Well, what do you mean all the saints? As you walk in love with all the saints. Listen, Satan's going to work overtime. When you come to church, people are going to say things. That's why so many people say, oh, I'm not going to church because I was offended at church. Do you know how many people, all we'd hear here is crickets if everybody who was offended by somebody at church stayed home. Because the mere fact we're all human, right? So this is talking about we got to walk in love. We love the brethren and we walk in fellowship with them. But as we do that, we're able to comprehend the multidimensional love of God, the height or the breadth, the length, the depth and the height. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Isn't it amazing that the love of Christ passes knowledge? It's, it's beyond knowledge. Isn't that amazing? But the Bible says that we, that we can know, that we can not just know, but comprehend the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of God. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, what happens as a result of that? That you might be filled with all the fullness of God. 
the end result of having knowledge and understanding of God's love, which only comes by revelation from the Holy Spirit of the word of God, will we be filled with the fullness of God. Guys, the church needs to awaken and rise up and be filled with the fullness of God. We, we must. We've got to do the works of Jesus. Right? We've got to lay hands on the sick and see him recover. Signs, wonders, and miracles have to still be the calling card of the gospel. Just being a great preacher or a nice guy is not enough. We need the anointing, right? And look at how this finishes up in verse 20. I love this. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think, but look at, the, look, at, look at the disclaimer, according to the power, the dunamis that works, that is at work, that's operative in you. In other words, God, right in this verse, he ties the use of his ability to the power of the Holy Spirit that's working in us. His ability to, your, to move in your life is tied. It's tied. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's, it's all one. It's the use of his ability to change your body, to change your circumstance, to make these things in your life line up to the word of God, to mold you into, and so on the outside we show Jesus. It's tied to the power that's working in us. His ability is tied to the power working in us. His ability to work in your life is tied to his power that's working in you. Do you think we might want to pray this prayer for ourselves once in a while? Wow. Power working in us results in power working through us. Power working in you results in the power of God working through you in your circumstance, in your body, in your life. And here it is. It's a rest. It's I hear it in the word. And I talk about it all day. Father, your word says that Jesus bore my sickness and carried my pain. Your word says that all of my sin was condemned once and for all in the body of Jesus, so I'll never beat myself up again for my past, for sin. And as a matter of fact, the sin that's been eating my lunch for years, I'm, I, I'm not going to walk free from it. I'm free from it. You broke the power of it off, off my life. You said that, and you're not a liar. That's my final. And see, now his, his power or his ability to work in my life is tied to that power that's working in me. No power working in me, no power working through me. Right? You can't fake this. 
So let's, let's finish up here. Man, I, that clock just goes too fast. But go to 1 John chapter 4 because I want to I wanna talk about the love of God so that we really see this. Because see, this power, it flows. It flows out of the love of God. Go to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 7. See, in Romans chapter 8, verse 2, don't turn there, but while you're turning to 1 John 4, Romans 8, verse 2, and, and the, the worship team, you guys could start making your way. So, so in Romans 8, 2, it says, the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus, right? Look at this. Hath, past tense, made me free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life, which is found in Christ Jesus. What is that? As you've heard me say so many times, that is the very nature of God. It's the love of God. The law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus is the love of God. What flows out of love? Faith works by love. So faith flows out of that. It dispels fear. And faith allows you to seize hold of everything that God has given you by your grace. So the law of the spirit of life, love of God, a revelation of his love in my heart for me, that he loved me so much that he gave me these things, faith is birthed. Surely I am healed then. Surely he cares enough about me. Surely I'm gonna, not going to die. I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord. Right? Boy, for someone here tonight, if you leave here with nothing else, the Spirit of God would say to you, the message for you tonight is, God would say to you, my strength is your strength. Don't try to be, what you're facing, don't try to be strong in yourself. You let go of it. Like Jesus, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. Lord, I'm rolling the whole of this care over on you. I'm free. Because see, the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, it hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Well, what's the law of sin and death? It's the nature of Satan. It's selfishness and self-centeredness. What flows out of that? Fear. And fear is what will connect you to everything the enemy can do to steal, kill, and destroy. And we're not to have that at all in our lives. So have you found 1 John? Let me read this to you. See the flow of this. We're going to read verse 7 through verse 12. Beloved, let, look at how it starts. Let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. So I, I literally, because I'm born of God and know God, that's, how, that's where that ability to love others flows out of. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So we live through him. You were created in Christ. You live through him. 
I'm created in him. I live through him. That's why Paul said it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. Right? So now look at this. Herein is love. Verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the mercy seat for our sins. Beloved, if God so love us, we ought also to love one another. See, why are Christians not loving one another the way they should? They don't have a revelation of how much God loves them. And they'll hear sermons that you gotta love, you gotta walk in love. But, but you gotta keep going, Pastor, because if you don't teach me that God loves me, I can't love. Because I'm just gonna live out of my flesh, right? It says here, verse 12, no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected in us. Wow. Jump down to verse 16. We're going to finish with this. Verses 16 through 19. And we have known and believed. See, it's not enough to just know it. You have to believe it. The love that God hath to us. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God dwells in him. Herein is our love made perfect. In, you could read it this way. In the Greek, it would read, herein is our love brought to maturity. So let's, let's find out how that happens. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So, okay. So this word judgment is not, it's, it's talking about the day of accusation, the day of crisis. Okay, today... What is today, the 28th? So, so think about that. Today is your day where you're going to be accused. Guess what? Tomorrow, when you wake up, it'll be today, and that'll be the day. The day of accusation, the day of crisis. So this is why, how do I get ready for that day so that my love is brought to completion in this time? I have to know and believe the love that God hath Towards me. I have to walk in a revelation that God loved me literally so much. For us, He loved me so much that literally over 1900 years before I was born, Jesus Christ lived, died, for all, bore all my sins, bore my sin nature, so that I could now live. That's, I have to know and believe that. When I know and get a revelation of that, my love will be brought to maturity and I'll be able to have boldness in the day of crisis. Boldness, what does that mean? Those that know their God will be bold. They'll be strong and do exploits. Be strong, Daniel eleven thirty two. That means they will literally be courageous enough to seize hold of things. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you seize hold of them and you'll have them. And do exploits, that Hebrew word means you'll do things beyond your ability. In other words, you do it in the strength of God. It says here that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, God is telling us, guys, 
as I am right now, so are you in this world. You are Jesus to this world at this time, to your generation. Your life is not a divine experiment. God has a plan for your life. There is no fear in love. Notice, right after this, he talks about it. He says, guys, there is no fear in love. So if you're afraid, it means that you don't know how much God loves you. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And I'm going to close right with this. The degree that my love walk is deficient will be proportionate to how casual my walk with the Lord is. In other words, if I don't really know how much God loves me, my walk with him will be pretty casual. Well, I really shouldn't say that. I really shouldn't do that. But, well, whatever. God will forgive me anyway. I'm just casual. I treat him as common. Uh, you know, I'm just too tired to go to church. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm just, I, I just don't want to read my Bible today. Where does all that come from? Because people are bad Christians? No. They don't have a revelation of how much God loves them. Because everything grows as your revelation that God loves you grows. So leave, if you don't leave with anything else, know that God is your strength and it's because he loves you so much. He's not mad at you, he loves you. Amen?